Silence the hound. You're listening to Podhaven. That is what's. Uh, that's oh, exactly that. what I'm led to understand has happened by the words that you've just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite mm-hmm. disconcerting. Yeah. Uh, well. it's, a new, it's a new era of the Indie Haven podcast. Uh, Martin has graduated to regular cast member. Woo! I get a little uh, certificate and everything. Yeah, we gave we gave you your complimentary packet of gravel. Uh, use it wisely. We all only get the one. Uh, but we've got no host. Elodie's disappeared and. It falls upon you, Inspector Bimbley Piss, to locate her using your detective knowledge. Well, here's the thing, yes? Yes. I found her! Oh, well, th- oh, that resolved well, that itself was... rather quickly. Yeah, it was pretty easy, yeah. You know, you know the hole you have, Josh? The you hole. know the big hole? The big hole. Yeah, you know your big hole. I'm, I'm aware of the hole, the what the hole that I have that is quite large. Well, this is the first I've heard of it. I thought you only had a small one. I've got a small hole. I've got a big hole. I've got a slightly oh. bigger hole that we call the very big hole. Ah, uh, you know, I see. a bit kind of. It's not that much bigger. You know, we've sort of hyped it up a bit, but yeah. So it's the big hole that I've got. Yes, yes, okay. well. Have a look in the big hole, yes. I'm having a look in the big hole presently. Um. Hi, Josh. Oh, hello. I fell in the hole. <laughs> what are you doing in the big hole? I fell in it. You, and you fell. And then you didn't look in the hole for a long time. And then Inspector Bimbley Piss came, and now we're best friends, and he found me. No, this is me, Inspector Bimbley Piss. Huh. Well, I'm glad hmm. someone checked the hole. I've got to be usual. I've got to be usual. What? I've got to be honest, the hole usually just takes care of itself. Uh, it's one of those be- things you can just leave them to their own business, and usually, you know, like a cat, it's fine. Yeah, well, it's like one of the beautiful things about having the the, the large hole. Uh, having predominantly no function, there's very little reason for me to have to keep an eye on it. So, like, really, it just is sort of, it's just sort of there, and I'm comfortable and secure in the knowledge there but now apparently i have to check up on my holes because it's so what's what's changed is this like a is this a climate change thing or it's it can only be climate change it's too hot so elodie fell in the hole i'm just (laughs) going to walk over here oh inspector bimbley piss you fell in the bigger hole now what are we gonna do we'll need another inspector Elodie missing the big hole, I can just about get. The hole oh. you've fallen into, Inspector Bimbley Piss, was bigger than the other hole, and precedent was already set by this point for people falling in holes. I feel, at this point, I'm, you're as responsible for this as the hole is. I'm very far down. You're quite far down. It's a deep hole as well as being large. 
contributes to the largeness, if anything, of the I hole. think I hurt my toe. That will happen when you fall down the larger hole. Yeah, it's it's known for it. Yeah, they 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 call it the toe maimer. Uh. Uh. So, if I remember correctly, Josh, you have a system where you can winch up somebody from one of the holes, but it yeah, can only but be only used one once of the ever. holes. Yeah. Only one, and you can only use it once ever. Oh, so it's now you have to make it. You have to make a decision. I have to make the. This could alter the course of our destiny right here. Do I save Elodie Cunningham or Inspector Bimbley Piss? Okay, so like respected host of the Indie Haven podcast, or a or member a, of a, you know the the uh, the police force. Uh, a, poli- you know. a police force gentleman who we just met. Yeah, just that. Uh, but his fairness, name so. is quite funny. It is, and his voice so is pretty funny too. I'm thinking I might save Inspector Bimbley Piss. Ah, oh, shit. Well, okay, think about it this way. Does Elodie have a sore toe? Elodie does not have a sore toe, you're right. Okay. And I despise Smooth. saving people who have sore uh-huh. toes. I mean, it seems like I a waste of resources, right? They may not even survive the process. Let him die. Let him rot down there with his gammy toe. He's useless to me now. The toeless idiot. Whimsy, kill him. I have a... I've got a trowel to saw. Fill the, fill the hole with tar. Boiling tar. Get rid of him. <laughs> the toeless idiot. I've, I've got no time for it. Good news, Elodie. We've decided to get you out of the hole. Huh. Oh, we drowned the inspector in tar. Oh. Uh, I would argue that she but, didn't need to know about that bit, but okay. Oh. That was. That well, I just was felt new, it was fair, you know. That was new character Inspector Bimbley Piss, and I will never see him again unless he becomes a ghost. <laughs> when has that ever happened on this show, Elodie? <laughs> really unlikely. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, you're out of the hole now. It's we've got you out. The, the pulley system is rather quiet. Uh, also, you won't you won't appear to sound any closer than you were. Uh, that's just because yeah. the microphone's really powerful and also knows when you are and are not in a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it automatically detects it. So don't yeah, worry about it. It's really amazing, isn't it? The mm. power of science. What a time powerful. to be alive. The technology we have these days. It's like magic. It's literally sorcery. Oh, well, uh, I guess that does explain it a little better. But, like, as a metaphor. Oh. Or is it? So I've been gone for a while. Yeah, you've you've had some stuff to do while you were stuck down that hole. Very yeah, busy uh, in that yeah. hole. Yeah, no, I got a, I got a job, and I moved house, and I started a podcast about horses. Yeah, uh, well, a horse ostensibly. A singular horse who is also a man. Yeah. So, like, I we haven't done one of these in a minute. It's been a minute. It's been precisely one minute. Mm, exactly one minute. Not yeah. longer than you think. More or less. But it's like a space minute, though. So you know. Yeah, it's like dog years, but like, yeah. however, in a way that would make what I just said work instead of not podcast years. Podcast years. Thank you, Elodie. It's one minute in podcast years. You see, this is why I'm glad we pulled you out of the hole. I bet Inspector Bimbley Piss couldn't have told you that. He certainly can't now. <laughs> 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 <sighs> So welcome, welcome to the Indie Haven podcast, volume 5.0, I yeah. think. 
Oh, this is the new big one of it. And we're Ooh. here. Um, I'm back in the saddle. We got Martin here. That's me. Hello. Uh, and we're ready to talk about video games. Ooh, as Josh said once in the first iteration of the podcast. I don't recall having said you that, went, but it sounds like you, something I would. You went, talk about video games. Ooh. I have it saved as a sound file, oh, I've, so I've, I've, I've put it I here. thought it was like, ooh, ooh, as in the famous one. <laughs> the famous one from memes. <laughs> But that will it explain why I don't recall it. It might have just been a musical it. version of it. Well, I, I am a musical man. I come from down your way, and I can play. <laughs> uh, what can you play? I will never tell. <gasps> See, I'm your host, Elodie Cunningham, and I'm joined by... Your other host, Martin Bryson. Hello. I thought we just did this bit. I'm Josh Rivers. We're doing it again. I don't <laughs> think we did the names. You said both of our names. Did I? Yeah. I don't think I said Josh Rivers. I said Martin. Well, well there we go. Now, that, I didn't we've been say comprehensive. Bryson. Yeah, they need also, to know the surname. That scared me, because Josh answers first. But Usually. there was silence. There was silence for a moment. Yeah. I had to fill the gap. No, but like even when you're here, it's Josh goes, I'm I am, Josh Rivers. I am. Like that, he goes, I'm Josh Rivers. Because <laughs> that's what he sounds like. <laughs> Uncanny impression. That's a very good impression. <laughs> so, some stuff happened while we were yes. out of the saddle. In the last one of these that we did, we briefly mentioned that um, Telltale's The Walking Dead, the final chapter, was starting to come out. Mm-hmm. The, the first chapter of the final chapter had come out. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So they're not going to be doing those anymore. You can't finish that one. As it turns out, yeah. Well. Well, yeah, they've said they're <laughs> yeah, looking well, we'll into, into it. That. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah but... so Telltale closed. Uh, closed its doors. They are no more. They perished. They are an ex-parrot. Yeah. I've have d- never made a Monty Python reference on literally anything, and I don't think I ever will again. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the, I mean, the mystery's gone now. It. You have very little you, reason to do it again. You, you gave it yeah. a chance. It, you know, it's it's there. Yeah. Make of it what you will. It's in a podcast. Now. You've had the experience. We can't ask for anything else, can we? Yeah. So Telltale then. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, telltale. It's kind yeah. of an odd thing because I think ostensibly the reasons why it closed down are stuff that people on the outside wouldn't necessarily have known about but at the same time I feel like it didn't necessarily come as a surprise to a lot of people No, I mean there's I, been I, speculation I think we sort of called yeah. it but like it, we, but we were just sort of coincidentally right it was like we had the wrong reason in mind yeah. Uh, there was there was a lot of speculation for a long time about Telltale's business model anyway, but no yeah. one ever talked about problems within internal problems, so I guess it was something you could just sort of put to the back of your mind mm. for a long time there. Yeah. In the last one, in the last one of the podcasts, what we did, we were like, oh, I just don't care anymore because I haven't changed it up at all, and it's the same thing over and over. And it turned out that that was that was a thing that was the case, but also all the other bits and of stuff yeah. and happenings. Well, like that's the, like I'm thinking about it now. 
in hindsight, you can you could kind of argue that there is a connection there. They were churning these games out quicker than we could develop interest in them as an audience. And as it turns out, they were churning them out quicker than they were actually safely capable of doing it, because, you know, it turns out they they were quite big proponents of crunch. And that was how they were doing it. That was how they They were were shifting them out at that pace. They were crunching and they were munching, is the thing. So the audience were burned out, the people making the games were burned out. The only and people I think it... who weren't burned out were the executives. Yeah, they were well, doing well, as well, is, as is always the case. And I think, I think it, what it kind of demonstrates is decisions, bad decisions on that scale, rarely happen once. I think, like if something has gone that wrong to the point where the company's in danger, typically there's a history of like similarly poor management. It, like it's very rare that like you can be just amazing at your job and then but one thing goes wrong and it goes so wrong that the like it sinks the entire ship. I think when it comes to executives, uh if you looked into and I don't have any capacity to do this, so I can't confirm it, but my mm. guess would be that if you looked into the management history of the executives at Telltale, you'll find a history of people who failed upwards. Which is so so often happened because Mm. it's not, they have failed, as you say, these things don't tend to come on their own. They are part of a history of failures, but failures that until now went largely unnoticed. Mm. Well, in fairness, it's also entirely possible that they were doing perfectly fine up until the moment they were required to manage on this scale, you know? Like, if they'd stayed at a controllable size, it might have been absolutely fine but obviously we can't know that now. It's just a weird case of an indie studio getting the rights to a bunch of properties. Yeah. It's it's interesting because these properties are not of the same scale. Like, they got The Walking Dead before The Walking Dead was the massive thing it is now. But they also got shit like Jurassic Park and Back to the Future before that. Yeah, but again, those weren't like extant media properties at the time. Back to the Future and Jurassic Park were kind of nostalgic properties at that point. Back yeah. to the Future still is, and Jurassic Park hadn't had the Jurassic World relaunch yet. Batman, mm-hmm. however, is of a whole other thing. That's a massive property and has been for years. And then getting Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. just after the big film came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their their eyes got bigger than their stomachs could handle. And clearly people were willing to work with them, or at least give them the licenses, which, mm. I mean, I don't necessarily know how that worked. Like, it could just be that like they get the money, and then regardless of how the game does, they pretty much just... They have a know, history, I guess. Yeah. They do have a history of uh, good stuff that they kind of coasted off for a while. Like, The Walking Dead was praised to high heaven when it first came out. Yeah. And people generally seem to like, like uh, The Wolf Among Us. Mm, that's the one that and, always comes uh, up. Everybody always Tales from the Borderlands, yeah. And the, the, those are the three ones that, that people would... generally liked a lot. And I think they coasted off that reputation for quite a while, even though most of their other output had become pretty staid. People are going to be pretty upset since they were actually starting to do The Wolf Among Us too. Yeah. Mm. And now, obviously, that's... Um... Because they were relying... But right up to the last minute, they were relying on a deal with... Let's see, but with companies' names... AMC was one of them. Hmm. Uh, there was another one. 
and that deal fell through. But if that was the only thing that was keeping the company afloat, there's no way that the executives didn't see this coming. They were gambling. They were gambling their future on an uncertain prospect. They were, yeah. And they gambled, their, they gambled their employees' well-being on it, because those people yeah. were fired with no warning. They were literally told, you're fired, get it, clear at your desk, and leave on the same day. Not alerted to the fact that it was a possibility, even. Yeah. Like, they, bro- you- they, let- they literally broke California labor laws. Mm. And now there's, part- like, there's been rumors of a class action lawsuit as a result of it. Yeah. I think part of it is just that they never built the infrastructure needed to be the sort of studio they became very quickly. Yeah. 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 They just kind of uh, hoped it would sort itself out, it seems. Well, like, just, they had... just the minutiae of like doing what you were doing before, but on a larger scale. Like They didn't necessarily... Like, I've worked in sort of departments shall we say, that are kind of smaller than they would like to be. And, like, you just get caught up. Your entire day just becomes, like, the operation. Or, like, uh, you know, getting the product out of the door. Like, you you can't... Uh, those departments with their product... Ugh, I know I'm, what I'm, trying, like, I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to out anyone here, but, like, I'm... <laughs> okay. You know, you your entire wanna... day just becomes, the, like, the day-to-day running of the service like you basically have no time left to even consider taking the steps that would be necessary for you to actually like do it sustainably mm-hmm. yeah like, you, you get to the point to where you need to bring in additional people and you've got no resources whatsoever to do that yeah you need to be uh, building an infrastructure for those larger scale projects before you start getting the people mm-hmm. in to do them because if you don't, it's not going to be sustainable, exactly like you said, yeah. The, these things, they but take a lot of planning. The issue is that they probably would have folded if they didn't do those large-scale projects right yeah. away, though. Do you think? So, well, that's the thing. They were a small studio batting way above their what they were set up to be able to do. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made that they could have maybe recovered it by pivoting their business model a little bit. At that point, I don't know oh, for yeah, sure if that's the case. You know, I don't. But know if, if they had attempted true. some kind of change, yeah, yeah, and some 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 kind of evident change that wasn't just dependent entire like something where the ball wasn't entirely in another company's court. You don't want to exactly. be in that position, especially not when you're risking like having the flipping closed down. You can't just leave that to other people who don't necessarily have an investment in your success. I just. I don't think they were ready to be a company with employees. Mm. It's part yeah. of it. Yeah, with an executive structure and employees and different departments and things, it doesn't... Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's it's like... I mean, it makes me really sad, because yeah. I always liked Telltale Games. and Again, I was one of those people who was a little bit of an apologist for them, even though they started to get quite predictable. I still always enjoyed them. And knowing what I know now about the way those were made, I feel kind of gross about that. I mean, the sad reality is a lot of games are probably made that way. We just don't find out about them. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's There's not really... I mean, it's trite to say it, but there isn't any ethical consumption under capitalism. And as much as yeah. I don't think that's an excuse, mm-hmm. there's no real way that you can impact this when yeah. you don't know. 
That's the thing. In, in order to change something, you have to have like a like the faintest idea what it is you're trying to change. And the gaming industry has always been good at kind of closing rank and like not showing well, any of its cards, leveraging uh, brand loyalty to make sure people don't question it. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where they hold the hobby media essentially hostage for access to games. Yeah, and. It is um, um, a really um, difficult um, situation. But if you love us, you'll tell the government of Belgium that you oh, want Jesus. loot boxes don't really bad. Yeah. And you That'll love be an hour boxes. in and of itself. Don't get me started. <laughs> I forgot all about that until you mentioned it. Jesus I think Christ. about it a lot. I've not stopped thinking about it. But like, it's not within the purview of what we're talking about. It just, it, it oh. just bears fucking mentioning. Yeah. yeah. Video games. This Video is the games, thing. Indeed. Yeah. Is it's like, just... okay. There's just been a bit of... Uh... Of... Sorry, you carry on first. <laughs> <laughs> just because a studio is an indie studio doesn't make them exempt from their shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that like that's another thing as well. I guess we just sort of wanted them to be the good guys. Like we knew, like we know that crunch and that stuff is a thing in the industry, but I don't think a lot of us would necessarily have attributed it to Telltale, like for yeah. a lot of reasons. You know, like the indie thing being one. Also, just the lack of change between like titles. You sort of assume that it's just a thing that you can slot stuff into, which is obviously not the case. There are you know a considerable number of original elements still. It's just like the the barest, most basic framework is carried over. But I mean, it's a lot of the it's the same thing that people the way people reacted to the news about CDPR and their labor practices and how awful those were because people mm. really wanted them to be the good guys. People really looked at those and thought looked at uh, good old games and thought, well, yeah. I really like these people. I really want to respect them. And then you know when that when that comes revealed, it it comes. Is it feels more difficult because you don't anticipate it, and it's really discouraging to be constantly reminded that very, very few, if any, of these companies can be trusted to be good people. I mean, it's it's another case of a indie studio with the corporate structure of a triple A studio. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of both of them are that. They needed to be. One for the, like just for the reality of what they were doing to make that sustainable, but they were trying to be the other, and it's just yeah. it, it, like, it the, wasn't going to work. Like you need the budget, yeah, the budget and personnel needed to make a triple A quality game comes at a cost. Yeah, and I think we just need to kind of keep that at the front of our minds whenever we're looking at these things. That makes you wonder about Warframe, doesn't it? I was, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was going to bring that up, but I stopped myself. <laughs> Uh, I've often thought that about Warframe. <laughs> I feel like I... Because seriously, I don't understand where all the positive buzz came... I mean, the game is... Well, the game's fine. I enjoyed it. It's good. It's, a, it's enjoyable enough. But, like... I really have to... Wonder... Like, where the ethical thing came... I still don't get that. Well, it's just because it's not as bad as other things. And yeah, it's like that, free. that's the thing. It had yeah. it was a it was actually free to play for once, and like I feel like so, yeah, I feel like a lot of the uh, the ethical claims are kind of being blended together with consumer friendly stuff, and that 
does kind of rub me the wrong way. There's a lot of uh, focus on consumer <coughs> rights um, in kind of gaming media and gaming culture more broadly, and that's being kind of blended together with broader ethical concerns as if they're equivalent. Mm. And I really, yeah, I never, I, mean, I never liked that. It's there's a lot more focus on consumer rights than there is on workers' rights. Mm. It's so much part of the culture, and it's so much part of the even the more left-wing part of video game culture just seems to be very, very focused on consumer rights and doesn't really consider workers' rights at all. Well, again, I would I would go back to the companies making these games like at the executive level are very good at locking this shit down. Like we don't we don't get to see the inside all that often. Cause I think there's also got... still sorry, you finish finish your thought. I, I, was, I was just <laughs> like they've just got enough non disclosure agreements and like yeah. they... And there's no unions so like you can't there's no real avenue for developers to fight this stuff. I mean, um, one of the big problems is that when anyone does unionise, all the other parts of the industry are like, but why do you get to unionise well, when I'm not unionising? Yeah. Was it the voice actors that did that most recently? Voice yeah. actors... No, the voice actors have a did, union. Did a strike yeah, yeah. and have a union, yeah. and then developers were like, we don't have a union, and we want better rights. They just sat there going, oh, you're so close, one more step, come on. I mean, knowing what I know about the way that corporations handle these things, I do wonder if the employees were uh, encouraged to do that by their management to undermine the uh, the union activity. Because that does happen. That is a thing, like, like especially in the US, when there's very few labour rights. Well, stuff like that does get internal internalised. Like, you hear constantly from these, uh, like, developers, like, sometimes quite well-respected ones, mm-hmm. who have almost romanticised the idea of crunch to go back to that. Like yeah. They've described it as like this, this sense of camaraderie and, you know, being you know, in the trenches together. And like You, said, ca- you said camaraderie really weird then, Josh. <laughs> you went, camaraderie. It was very sing-songy. It was quite nice. Camaraderie. Well, as I've already explained, I am the musicaled man and I've come <laughs> from down your way and I'll play it. <laughs> so, I don't know why you're surprised. And I will play it. I will play it. It's I will it, play it. It's 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 it. I've missed this podcast. Yeah. I can't remember most of what I just said, but I assume it was quite good. Oh, you can always listen back if you have to. God, no. I. I want to continue <laughs> believing it was quite good, thanks. <laughs> I'd rather do that. Alright, well, let, let me let me assure you that it was quite good. Okay. So, is that, is that us? Um, we said one more thing. Gonna say? Oh? I think there was one more thing I wanted to touch on, and that was the... Um, oh, what's, the what's their name? Uh, Robert Kirkman ri- and the Skybound Games Skybound. thing. Yeah, how Robert yeah. Kirkman, who was the creator of The Walking Dead, although that is even this is that that's a controversial statement apparently, uh, which I won't go into. The Skybound Skybound Games seem to have made a deal with the Telltale executives to finish The Walking Dead final season, 
Um, okay. And there's a kind of an open question as to what extent the original team are going to be involved in that. And that's interesting, um, without wanting to go on a lengthy socialist rant <laughs> about uh, how Robert Kirkman is a scab. Um, it, Wait, do you it mean does... created The Walking Dead or created The Walking Dead or created The Walking Dead? Creator of The Walking Dead. You know, that one. The video game? The comic? No, the writer. <laughs> the writer of the comic. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. There's uh, like 50 different The Walking Dead, and I don't. Yeah. I've not gotten into any of them. He owns the copyright, I think. Uh, oh, I imagine that. And he decided to give the rights over to Skybound Games, and they're working with the Telltale as, as part of a deal with the Telltale executives. Yeah. And there, as I say, there's kind of an open question to what extent the original development team for the series are going to be involved in this. And how that question gets answered is going to be really vital for me on how I'm going to feel about this because it's a really from a labour perspective it, that continuation of that series is pretty much the only leverage that those that those fired staff members have in terms of getting any kind of fair legal severance pay or god I mean if they're lucky another job but you know who knows <sighs> It's a 250 people lost their jobs, and it's not something that, that should just be ignored, and I feel like this is being used and reported as such as a way to uh, appease any outrage about that by just giving the people what they want and leaving the the employees out in the, out in the, uh, out in the rain, mm-hmm. really. Honestly, like, if the executives just get the people back again... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, like, what's the point of any of it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, if Skybound Games are willing to hire those people, great, but they're not a huge company. I don't think they can just take on 250 people overnight like that. And I mean, if Skybound Games has the has the resources to just do this, mm-hmm. why didn't they just do it then instead mm-hmm. of now? When we're already at a point where a load of people are out of work. I think the sad answer to that might be that they didn't necessarily give a fuck until it became a thing. Yeah, they realised they could get some uh, good press uh, for relatively free. And just by picking up this this franchise and profiting on it by themselves. And it's a win-win for them, really. I mean, I don't like looking at it that cynically, but I mean... Look at what just fucking happened. Yeah, I mean, to that's me, cynicism a, is, is is a requirement here. I think because it, that's I can't kind of trust a general statement decisions. that you could use for this entire podcast is, is the thing <laughs> yeah. that Josh just said. Then, yeah, should really be the tagline by now. Yeah, <laughs> I want to feel good about this because I like those games. I want to find good news in among all this and something I can enjoy about it, but. We, we all really do. That, like that's the mm. thing. It's like it's it's what prevented a lot of us from seeing this coming. I think it's why mm-hmm. you know people feel conflicted about CD Projekt Red, and it's, I think it's a large part of you know why this whole free to play done right narrative sur- like came up surrounding Warframe is we just really want a good guy right now because yeah. yeah, but the problem is we don't like have that. one. 
There's so, no such thing as a company that is a good guy because a company no. isn't a guy for one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a collection of people who could stand to profit quite a lot from mm-hmm. other people not having a great time. Yeah, and those those people try very hard to make you think that they are a guy as well. Oh yeah, they would they... love to be considered as individual people with thoughts and feelings. Yeah, and, that's as opposed why... to a logo. That's why social media is like it is now. Yeah. yeah. Oops, sorry, my dog is on my lap and he's moving around a bit. <laughs> Me too. Sorry. I am also your dog and on your lap and moving around a bit. I'm neither of those things. <laughs> Zero appreciates the company, I think. That's, the, that, that's, stop, that's stop, the additional stop. perspective I bring to the show, is that I'm, I'm the one who is not either of those well, things. Well, let it, let it never be said that we don't listen to both sides. Yeah. Well, Zero, shut up. Was that a dog? That was. That sounded like a a human man. I thought it was Josh. (laughs) For for the strangest of moments, I thought Martin was like saying two things at once. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still having trouble processing that it was a dog. It It really did sound human. Yeah, he's a very strange beast. He sounds like a little pig when he gets excited. He snorts. I a bet lot. the corporations wish they had that kind of ability. Am I right? Ah! <laughs> Tying it back. Oh. What we were just talking. Yeah. I love video James. Video yeah. James is great. He's video James are the bestest. Real. See, this is the thing. I I love to talk about video games, and I wish I could talk positively about video games. And when I try, it's like our fucking our two Warframe episodes. Yeah, yeah. The first one, we were like, "Oh, I really like this game. I started playing. We all started playing at once. How fun's that?" Second one is like, it turns out that actually, fuck, made an error. Yeah, it's all fuck. It's all fuck now, and I it's regret. It's all fuck, and I'm going to spend 30 minutes telling you why. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, because I was just a listener at that time, and mm. uh, I that actually got me to try Warframe, and I enjoyed it for... Uh, m- m- my emotional state, what playing it, kind of went through the same trajectory as the episodes did, because I, en- yeah. I really enjoyed it for a few hours, and then I started to get so bored of it. And mm. the I got more and more irritated by how weirdly clunky it all was to accommodate all the microtransactions they had lodged in there and all yeah. the, the in-game currencies and mm. that as much as it wasn't quote required for anything as much as it wasn't even as obnoxious as some other games i played i still could not get past how distracting i found the framework around it that needs to yes. be there to defeat yeah. those the war framework hey <laughs> see i was gonna make an actual like cogent point then but then I thought of a pun and did that instead because I thought and it, actually, and it pushed out you, what you were. Go- yeah, you made the right decision. I think the world will thank you for what you your sacrifice. Yeah, a good thought died this day. Do, do, do. Was that the dog again? Yeah, I'm gonna try and get him to shut up. Do, do, do. I just Silence can't tell the if it's... hound. Uh, the hound, Jesus. Where am I? As I said, I missed this podcast. It's, it's so fun. It, it's certainly a use of our time, isn't it? Oh, now, now a cat's making sounds. Oh, it's a cat. 
It's the pet episode. Yeah. It's not the same cat as in the other recordings. Oh, different cat. Yeah, because I'm in a different house. Different house, different cat. Yeah. You don't make rules. You me. I was going to make that joke, Martin, and then you did Oh, sorry. (laughs) I stole your thunder. I'm sorry. This is going to get edited down somewhat, but I think we should leave some smudge noises in. Yeah. It's cute. It's really cute. It's world building. (laughs) I know. I don't know how to help you. She's up on the bed. I think she wants food, but she's not getting down off the bed. I wish to eat the bed. Give me the bed. I consume your duvets. I'm a cat. Meow. <laughs> Smudge, go downstairs or something. She's brought yeah. the attention of everyone else within the house, so now it's a party near the cat that's on my bed. I mean, that tends, that tends to happen in parties I've been to. People congregate around the cat. The cat's being taken now. Taken to the, <laughs> the place where... She can do no more harm. Uh, so, Martin. Video yes. games. Games with videos in them. Yes. You played like video atmosphere. Games. I did. One. I played, as I promised I would, I played No Man's Sky again. Quite a lot, actually. About <laughs> maybe 16 hours or so. Yeah, it was called No Man's Sky Next or something, wasn't it? Wasn't that Next Sky that Boys, the friends go in there. Some men's sky. I'm positive that that was the name. So yeah, um, it's it's fundamentally still the same game. Like at its very core, mm-hmm. you do the same things for mostly the same reasons. But there's so much more bells and whistles around it now that just kind of work in a way I find it hard to explain. Um, the procedural generation is way better. It's much more stable. It just makes more sense when you see things. Um, but they're still, like, they, they introduced a whole bunch of new variables as well. Uh, planet colors and new elements, all kinds of things. Mm. Um, and most of it, I'm not even remotely close to finding. And uh, the way that they've structured and balanced things now is much, much more interesting to me. Like, things are actually balanced. Like, you can go from one place to another and never feel that you have to spend forever farming for a specific element because you needed that to get to the next step. And there's more structure, too. They have more defined mission goals and more uh, methods to achieve them by. It's just... It just feels like the game that No Man's Sky kind of always promised it would be. So you mean to tell me... (laughs) That you don't have to just shoot a rock for 50 hours... You don't have to just shoot a rock for 50 hours. You now have other things you can do. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing is that like the shooting rock stuff is much more manageable. It takes a lot less time and you need a lot less of it to work. So if you are still the kind of person who enjoys gathering materials forever and ever, and sometimes you know I am that person, I have to admit, that, op- that option is still there. Um, but it's no longer a requirement to really get into the game. Uh, second question. Yes. Do animals work now? 
a lot better. They're still a little weird. The AI can be a little funky, and sometimes interacting with them is a little bit of a hassle. But the they actually do work. They look like real animals now, and they mostly behave like real animals. Because huh, before they just behaved like uh, pathfinding algorithms. Yeah, yeah, less of that now. They tend to move more in herds. You see them like uh, feeding and chasing and fighting, and it's still not perfect. Like I would still say they still need some work on that front, but it's an improvement over when I first played it. Now, bear in mind, I'm comparing like the at launch version of the game with the version now. And these improvements have been iterative, so there's been a lot of changes since then in in stages. Has it been particularly iterative? Because they seem to just kind of clunk it together and yeah. then just be like, oh, it's the new one that came out of it. Yeah, from what I can gather, this is like, it is uh, the fourth major update and it's by far the most comprehensive one as far as I can tell. Um, which is, I guess, why they just called it Next, which is pretty vague. There was a really good YouTube video talking about it. Uh, it was Noah Caldwell-Gervais did one. It was, uh, and if you've got like a couple of hours to spare, it's well worth checking out. But he, like me, has been kind of an apologist for the series for a long time. And series? He, well, uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking of it like that because it feels like a sequel. It's not a series. It's like one game, but it doesn't feel like the same game. It feels like you're, the actual experience of playing it makes it feel like a completely different game. That is a sequel to the original No Man's Sky, which was yeah, kind of disappointing. It is as though... There was this original game, which had a small but cult following, and then they did a sequel that was really, really successful. And that's kind of what this feels like, even though that's not the case. It's very weird. I don't know if I've ever played a game which has changed this much over its lifetime in a way that I actually care about. And I find that really weird. I'm just trying to figure out in my head how to kind of parse this up. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you actually care, though? As in, I'm I'm still playing it. That's kind of what I mean, I guess. I mean, Uh, like, how much... How improved would you say it is? And how much more would you hmm. recommend it now than you would before? I I would definitely recommend it more now than I would have before. Uh, I would say it has improved enough that it's worth trying again. I wouldn't go as far as to say I definitely recommend it to everyone, especially if they already were really put off by the first by the first game, because a lot of it depends on what it was that bothered you about the about the uh, the first iteration of the game, the version at launch, uh, because it has done what it set out to do, but that might not still work for you. I think is kind of what I'm trying to get at, and I'm aware I'm kind of mincing my words a little bit. I'm just trying to—I can't, don't really have the right words to talk about this because I've not had enough time to really think it through. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, you sure didn't between when we told you to play well, the game and talk about it, and now I also started a new I'm job. Smart. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, it was a joke. So it it does eat into my precious No Man's Sky time. Uh, it's why more is, flexible. Why is Smudge screaming again? She's had food. Oh no, She's Smudge! The come cat. back! The cat's happened. Just wants your attention. Hello. Hello. Yes. Oh no, she just she left again. She just wants your love and attention. She's just letting you know. She ran away. I'm a left. cat still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at is every aspect of the game, every like channel it tried to kind of develop is uh, more robust than it was before. Like, the construction and gathering is more robust, the trading is much, much, more, much improved. 
the uh, the exploration and the learning about the cultures and the planets is way better. There's much more to learn and it's easier to do. So if those were things that you wanted from the game and were disappointed you didn't get, then I would suggest you try it. But if the idea of the game as a what's well, fundamentally a quiet exploration and construction game where you learn about things in a kind of a slow drip feed sort of way, if that doesn't appeal to you, that this isn't going to change your mind about that. And for me, it has a fascinating story, it has a fascinating lore, but the way that it's fed to the player is something that is a very acquired taste. And I think that fundamentally that hasn't changed. So if that is something which would not have appealed to you in the first place, then honestly, I, I don't think it'll, this will change your mind. I don't think I'm going to pick up and play it anytime soon. If only yeah. because there's so many games and so much busy. Mm-hmm. There's a That's lot fair, of yeah. stuff happening. That's I've old. actually been, yeah, I've been replaying old games I never finished lately. That's kind of been my my thing. So I've been trying to kind of get into the backlog a little bit rather than try anything new. So I get that as well. Mm. Uh, talking of logs. <laughs> yeah. It's Josh's Deep Thoughts, isn't it? It's a Josh, oh. Josh's Deep Thoughts. Sweet. Jittering Christ. It's too deep, Captain. It can't possibly. Do it. Right, so it's time now for Josh's deep thoughts. Now, if you're not aware. This is the part of the show where I showcase the deep thoughts what spring forth from my head like a spring-loaded head jar of Marmite (laughs) that you might put in a man's head namely mine A spring-loaded head of jars I'm I'm a big old head full of jars and you're gonna we're gonna crack one open and reveal the contents for all the world to see so is that's going to be a good time heads? for us. Is it more it's heads? Possibly with more, more heads with more jars. We don't. We don't know how deep this goes. Mm, jars uh, all the way down. Further study is needed. But right. So Mona the vampire. Mona the vampire. Right? That immediately played in my head as soon as you said the yeah. name. That's, that's that's we can't we can't keep dancing around this. Show us your fangs. This, it needs. It needs to. This needs to come out. I've been thinking a troubling amount about Mona the Vampire. Poignant uh, cross-examination of the human condition. Oh. And I figured I'm gonna tell you why for this. The our our return to the deep thoughts after the long time of the podcast having not there been. Yeah, me too. Yeah, agreed. Yes, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you agreed with that statement so I no longer have to think about it. But anyway, (laughs) the conclusion that I've arrived at is essentially that Moda the Vampire is a young schizophrenic who can't accept that the real monster is humanity. Ah. Hmm. It's it's sort of obvious when you think about it. Oh, okay. You'd know better than me. The, the, The premise, uh, it's been, and it's been a while, honestly, since I've watched Mona the Vampire, but the premise, as I recall it, is a series of things happen that are bad, 
and oh. this girl dresses up as a vampire and solves the the problem in the real world but there are segments where you like it sort of changes and you see events unfolding as she perceives them and they one... take on a supernatural angle there was one where there was some new school chefs and that's they the, were, that's um... the first one that came to my mind yeah, as well oddly enough they, they were called Sam and Ella uh, but yeah. they became a giant like amoeba thing called Salmonella when it went into the fantasy land of Mona the Vampire. Yeah, that, that was how she rationalised it. it. But it's all ultimately what's actually ha- it's quite Birdman-like in a way, but what's actually happening is just humans humans having human problems and being bad to each other. And she can't really accept that. I mean, on some subconscious level, I think she's aware of it. Like, she, I think she actually detests humans to the point where she's had to maintain this... You know, she's had to distance herself from humanity by maintaining this delusive belief that she is not human. So the uh, the vampire fantasy is her way of... Uh, it, it's her I way guess, of almost yeah. absolving herself of just the the sins of the circumstances of her birth, really. Vamp to this, see, this if thing you will. that this yeah this oh, thing yeah. that she can't help, but you know she's just constantly aware of it, and feels like almost guilty in a way for existing as a part of this species that can commit such atrocities up, upon itself. And so really, it's a tragic story. It's it's oh, that, it's very hard. tragic because we've I feel like we've all been there. Honestly, it's you know you you see just the the bile and the hate and the violence that goes on in the world, and it is tempting to wonder, what if Dracula is responsible? Because what if this is a problem? You could just stake through the heart. It is, because e- it's easier to attribute it to some sort of supernatural menace than to admit to ourselves that could just as easily be us. Like the people doing these things, there there's no fundamental difference between us and them. There's no magic switch that has just flipped that means that we could never be that. So yeah, it's really like it's a shame, and I don't remember if I've got to be honest. I don't remember if she ever got closure. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if anyone ever helped her. I mean that's the final tragedy, isn't it? That's mm. you know it's 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 a coping mechanism for a world that doesn't care. I mean she she had friends there with her, as I recall. There were, like there were two of them, but I you know, and I can't the... tell if they were genuinely like part of it or if they were just enabling her for lack of any other like knowledge a... of what to do. There was a blonde glasses boy. I remember blonde glasses boy, and I remember the cat, but mostly because Martin's put a picture of it, and the cat I think was called Fang, and she put like bat yes. wings on him. I recall the cat now that you mentioned that. Uh, but I don't remember who the other human was. I seem to recall... Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. essentially Mona the Vampire, a, a tale of... A tale of what the tragedy Steve. of a child's failure to deal with the uh, the evil of humanity. Well, I don't I don't want to call it a failure because to be fair to Mona, it is a lot to put up with. I mean, like it's a lot it's a lot to have to process, and you know how you, there's no explaining something like that to a child. As an adult, it re- there's really no reason for it that we can process. 
It's the true. only difference really between us and Mona is that we've already given up. The thing is as well that by turning it into something monstrous, by turning it into something of myth, like it's almost more manageable that way. Mm. Like, it feels like things vampires have weaknesses, they're predictable, they want things. Yeah, exactly. This, this, was the real monster this monster of human behavior is 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 something which we have no power to affect at all. There's no clear motive. Like a like a vampire bites you on the neck for a minute. It's horrifying, but you can understand it. Like it serves yeah. a purpose. Everyone needs to eat. We a lot, and a lot of the time, the ways in which humans seek to destroy each other to profit from it in some way are so self-destructive and short-sighted. That like, I mean, we've we've discussed bad decisions made by you know, corporate executives. Like that's that's exactly the kind of thing. You know, mm. it ended up fucking them. Up. Well, it ended up fucking the people beneath them with they'll probably come out of it find the bastards but yeah, you know it's it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense and it doesn't seem to make any sense how they could be allowed to continue to get away with this and often the answer is simply like well we don't we don't know how to stop it there are, there are a lot of people who would intervene in this if they had the faintest idea how. I used to have a DVD box set of Mona Vampire that I got for like either £5 or £10 at Morrison's or Safeways. I don't remember whether Safeways had become Morrison's yet at that point, but I got it cheap. And then recently I sold it in CEX and I got like 10p for it. That is that is a crime to have only received 10p for what is like a very salient cross-examination of the human condition. I feel like it's one of those things that may, you know, become more valuable with time. Well, once people realise... Yeah. Um, once the discourse catches up. Yeah, I, one, you know, once the world gets on my level uh, and, you know, can appreciate and, and see things the way I do, uh, then people will realise the true value of Mona the Vampire. And, you know, the tale it weaves of, you know, a girl lying to herself I wanna, about I wanna the nature of the, the world around her. I want to know what the other character is in it now. I think she was dressed as a fairy or something? Like, it was something oh. distinctly n- not in keeping with the theme. I think that might be the case. Because Mona was a vampire, the boy was an alien. Oh, yeah, The cat he was had bat alien. wings, and then the third one... Mona the Vampire characters. Her alter ego was Princess Giant. There we go. Ah, oh yeah. Yeah, I remember now. So the, ah, uh, show us your fangs, indeed. Mm. <laughs> um, oh wow, monathevampire.wikia.com <laughs> So you found out all the good deeds. Yeah, Mona the Vampire. This will probably have wiki. similar theses to the one I've just, uh, relayed for you here. This will be oh, yeah. this will be where we get the real discourse. For some reason I remembered it being English, even though I know that it's kinda of not, definitely. Yeah. I just it's kind Canadian of... originally? Huh? I think it's Canadian yeah, originally. Yeah, it's Canadian. But like I just imagined it as being English. For some even though I, kn- I know that. Oh there's three poles here. Uh Ooh. Okay the first one says do you find Mona Parker, comma, his identity, comma, cute, space, question mark? 
Well, what's it going to be? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, 34 people said yes, and 7 people said no. Those 7 people would, uh, prob- you know, probably not trivialise uh, the, uh, you know, the, the deep seriousness oh, and, yeah. you know, personal trauma associated with the subject matter by, uh... They recognise that as yeah. the, uh, the the clear metaphor that it so obviously is, and they don't fee- see any value in infantilizing that. I wouldn't I... even say it was a metaphor. I would say that, like it's just straight up what's happening. I'm gonna vote no, yes. But with... I voted I'm yes. Looking... Okay, You've ruined yes. us. Uh, okay, now I'm looking at poll two. Okay, what poll is two. your what is your heroine? Brackets hero prefer space oh, question okay. mark. <laughs> uh, and the options here are Mona the Vampire, Fang, Princess Giant, and Zapman. Alright, 17 people voted Mona the Vampire, 5 people voted Fang, 8 people voted Princess Giant, and 4 people voted Zapman. So obviously Zapman's kind of losing out on this one. Yeah, yeah. he's not doing well here. I'd forgotten he was even called Zapman. I just knew he was some I, kind of vain yeah. fella. I'm going to vote for Fang, because he's, he's a cat, and I like those ones. Cat's good. Yeah, cat, cats are good. Also, he has wings, his little wings. Yeah. How uh, many cats can claim that? Okay. Not many is the answer. So, here is poll three. <clears throat> Do you want an animated film, Mona the Vampire, based on the book in French... Of Petunia the Vampire Ritual via Le Futur Petunia the Vampire Back to the Future in brackets space question mark Is Mona the Vampire a spin-off of Back to the Future? That is the only possible conclusion of what we just heard. Twenty five people said yes, two people said no, and three people said not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> And I'm gonna, I'm gonna the go, world isn't ready. I've gone for not yet because I also don't. I need think time. Fun. Oh wow, this is fun. It's got a list of um. Oh no, it's got two actually. I think. Um, testimonials here. In the wider people like Mona the Vampire segment at the bottom here, first one says. Mm-hmm. Mona the Vampire is a very interesting franchise. The television series alone is full of imagination, humour, action and colour. Beyond that, the books are very well written and I can say the same thing about them as the television series. I believe Sonia, Hollyman and co. did a great job and worked very hard on this franchise and I think it should definitely be commemorated. Is it dead? (laughs) And down at the bottom here... uh, well, the first one was from Madison Gruntvig, age 18, from the United States. Oh, this one is an... Oh, they've even put an English translation from uh, a French-Canadian here. Which says, uh, we are happy and pleased that these are... Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> it's just a response <laughs> Wait, to the question. No, I'm confused. They did say, we are happy and pleased that the user Madison Gruntvig could ask MediaWiki to create a Mona the Vampire wiki in English, Danish, French, and perhaps soon Spanish. I think a lot more of Mona Parker's identity less than her alter ego Mona the Vampire because she is really cute and wise. Neither too tired nor lastly, she may never cry in the series. But that happens in one of the episodes, that's correct. 
Also, I have published a book in French called Petunia the Vampire Back to the Future, and at the end of my book, believe it or not, I left a comment in the book about the revival of Mona the Vampire in order to ask the permission of Orchard Books in England that one day I might make the rest of Mona the Vampire. So, uh, Petunia the Vampire Back to the Future is fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Essentially. That's from, uh... That's from... Bat Canadium, age 25 from Canada. And then his He Loves Miss Gotto 04, uh, age 21 from Germany says, I like Mon, ah, the vampire, because it was my first step into the world of horror, and horror is so exciting. By the way, uh, colon, I like this show because of the cool characters and my similarity to Charlie Bones, Mona's sidekick. But the most reason for me to like this show is the good-looking Miss Gotto. So this person's actual um, username and such is based on the fact that he really likes the uh, the teacher from it. That's uh... uh... <laughs> okay. I've suddenly become a little more uncomfortable about this diversion. Yeah, I, I thought this was. I thought this was going to be just just a very pleasant conversation about the psychology of disillusionment, but uh, it's this has taken a turn. There's all sorts of characters in here. We got Miss Gotto, we got Miss Gotto brackets doppelganger, uh, <laughs> Ivan Shawbly, Thor, Von Creepsula brackets character, Reverend Gregory. Mrs. Parker, brackets doppelganger. Officer Holcroft. Buckskin Bill. Blitzy. Living Scarecrow. Mr. Arley's sister. Mechanical Mayhem Gremlin. There's all sorts of fun and colourful characters here on the monathevampire.wikia.com slash wiki slash categories colon characters. Why do you think that the show was such uh, a striking example of uh, the a, a deep dive into the dark heart of uh, human inability to cope with inhumanity? I'm per- Honestly, I think it was just one of the few children's shows that had the stones to go there. Uh, so I've put a picture of the character that that, um, that guy from Germany wants to fuck. <laughs> okay in the chat there and the people can't see it but they can google Miss Gotta if they want to see it G-O-T-T-O yeah thank you Martin yeah, if you if you want that for context uh, I don't know that it'll uh, help you understand the psychology of it any better but uh, not to be confused you'll know with the about yeah. yeah yeah not to be confused with the uh, the Miss Gotto doppelganger so d- d- make sure you get the right one yeah. Oh, yeah. That that makes all the difference. That's a different character, actually. Is the thing different right? one entirely? Thanks. Yeah. Um. Well, they've got so many different categories and shit because she's in female characters, characters, real characters, alive characters, human characters, and recurring characters. Uh, alive characters. Yeah, I got hung up on that one as well. Sorry, do you want to see the do you want to see the picture of Miss Gotto doppelganger that they got on the wiki? 
Let's have, let's have a let's have a gander at it. I do. A doppelgander. Okay, now don't push it. <laughs> wow. Huh. Okay. <laughs> that certainly is a thing that they've chosen to do. That's it's a... very it's very convincing. <laughs> I like the arms. They shall surely be fooled <laughs> and, and by just this cunning kind of, disguise. This splayed array of slightly off-model books. <laughs> <laughs> kind of impossible physics on those books, too. <laughs> this is like some Salvador Dali shit. What if Salvador Dali is responsible? What if Salvador Dali secretly made Mona the Vampire? What if Salvador Dali is Dracula's? More than one of them, multiple, Ooh. all concealed within Salvador Dali. I really like that... referring to things like that as like calling vampires Draculas and yeah and yeah. Uh, like flesh create flesh golems as Frankenstein's, you know, yeah. um, and vampire hunters. You can call those ones uh, Van Helsing's. These are all things I, you can choose to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I quite like it because uh, it annoys really awful people. <laughs> yeah, you can call mummies tooting carmoons, or uh, mummies the mummy. Oh, you can call them Brendan Fraser's. The yeah, you can do that. Um, yeah, you can call centaurs. Uh, I don't know where I was going with this. I just saw a picture of Bojack Horseman. It made me think of horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> What if Bojack Horseman was a centaur? Well, that would really change the dynamic of the show. It would change the context. Do you know what's been happening for a while now? What's been happening for a while now? Is that we've been gradually fading out into silence, and then it's just going to go back into existence as uh, as us talking about video games again in a minute. Yeah, I've got... I'm going to... Cards on the table. I'm not sure how we're still on this. <laughs> it gave us a lot of good content to work with. Yeah, I mean, there there was certainly a lot of characters in the in the Mona the Vampire universe, the Mona the Vampire cinematic universe that we're all not ready for. Yeah, especially when they bring out um, Pachuna the Vampire Back to the Future, the movie. That classic film we're all we've all been waiting for since we were children. Yeah, I for one am thrilled. <laughs> so do you have any video game recommendations because that was Josh's deep thoughts that was Josh's deep thoughts it's the end of it now who? video game <laughs> so who wants to do a recommendation I had a video game recommendation Oh. But unfortunately, I've stopped playing the game since, and I feel kind—I would feel weird about recommending it now because I really stopped playing it a lot quicker than I thought I would. So Give that's it a cautious recommendation. It ain't—it ain't like I didn't try, folks. That's like that's—that should be your takeaway. It ain't like I didn't try. But if you're interested, turns out Dead Cells is quite good. Ah. <clears throat> oh, it's very, very good. Very good things about it. Yeah. Yeah, I am actually planning to do a 
uh, a video on it comparing it to uh, Sundered, which is another game that tried to kind of blend Metroidvania and uh, the roguelike formula. And sort of examining where I think Dead Cells made it work, where Sundered kind of, it, it felt like entirely vestigial. Like it didn't mm-hmm. feel like there was a point in making it a roguelike. I, like, I think I think there are interesting comparisons to be made there and sort of like some good notes to maybe take away from that particular example. But yeah, as I say, I kind of stopped playing it at one point. And like, it's not the game's fault. The game's fine. It's just other stuff has come out since that I've just wanted. I've been compelled more to sink time into that. Spider-Man and Yakuza Kiwami 2 came out at the same time. What, like, who are we fucking kidding? Where do you think my time is going? I don't have a PlayStation 4. You you, you don't have a PlayStation 4, so you've you've, you've been spared this issue. I've been, I've been playing Alien Isolation on PC. I've got that. I've never played it. It's one of those games where I feel like I really, really would be into it. It almost feels custom designed for my tastes, but I just never mm. got around to playing it. I've just never really been into horror games, and... I'd heard that this one was like a particularly good example at a time where you were getting really a lot of kind of bad examples because like pretty much the only place these were coming out were like you know Steam Greenlight, you know the stuff of that sort of caliber, or stuff like Five Nights at Freddy's, which you know it is what like, it, is. <laughs> it, it is what it is, and what it is is not really for me. Yeah, that, that and Slender, I think, were the two like big examples that were like doing well. Yeah, uh, and then everybody else was just trying to be amnesia, and like not a lot of particularly interesting stuff was getting done. Uh, but Alien Isolation was apparently quite good, I and so I it. bought it and never played it. That's good because should... I don't play horror games. <laughs> I don't usually, but I enjoyed it. See, this is yeah. the thing: is I've got I'm real into Alien recently. But I've yeah. never seen a single one of the films except for Prometheus. Mm. I own them on <laughs> DVD. I've choice. just never gotten around to watching. Them. I've the first read one some. Is really of, good. I've read some of the novels, <laughs> <laughs> and I've played Alien Isolation, but I've never watched the first Alien film. The first one is really good. Uh, I, I don't. Nor if I watched the second, the second. One as much as most people do. Yeah, I don't like the second one as much as most people do, but I I really love the first. It one. is very much not the same kind of movie. No, and like there is there is something to be said for that, but like the formula itself was well, I don't know how much it had been done at that point in history. So a- Aliens, Aliens by James Cameron is my favorite indie game. Do you have one to recommend, Martin? <laughs> well, I had a, I had a little bit of a dilemma because I had a couple of things I wanted to recommend. One thing specifically, but I didn't actually get a chance to play it, so I'd feel weird recommending something I haven't played. So what I'm going to do is give is see what it is and then give you a couple backups in case it turns out to be bad. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to recommend. I've been I got a, a beta code for the Hex, which is the new game by is it Daniel Mullen? Is that his name? The guy who did uh, Pony Island. I don't and remember. I love Pony Island. I love Pony Island. It was so good. That may actually be a recommendation then, if you don't remember that one. I, I, uh, I still not played it. It's another one that I've just got sitting in my library, you know? Oh, it's really, yeah. really good. It's a really creative, really fun kind of action puzzle game. 
that does some really interesting things with uh, like format and meta text and stuff. It's 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 definitely worth checking out. I don't want to tell you too much because it might spoil the fun, but it is it is really worth checking out. Uh, he recently completed another game that's due to come out in a few days called The Hex, which I've not actually had a chance to play yet, but it looks really intriguing. There's a trailer on YouTube you can find. Uh, so. Um, yeah, check that out. Check out the trailer, and uh, I'll get back to you when I finish to actually play it. I was also going through a lot of my back catalogue lately, trying to finish games I never finished, and one of them I came across that I totally forgot about was a game called Holy Potatoes, We're in Space. Hmm. Which is... Uh, <laughs> which is an interesting game. It's um, a comedy strategy sci-fi game, where it essentially works as like a... It's part spaceship staff management part um space battle simulator which is uh it's a really fun combination of things it's really it's really kind of a smooth game it's not particularly deep or complex but it's a really fun little time waster if that's something you want it's very colorful and very funny so check that out uh yeah so that would be my recommendations okay so that's everything i had (laughs) do you have a video james that you want to tell them yeah, I mean, I've basically only played one one indie game recently, even though it's been all this time. And that mm. was Momodora 4, Reverie Under the Moonlight, which was a really good little um, Metroidvania game uh, that's kind of a Metroidvania Dark Souls-style thing. Mm. That is also kind of cutesy and chibi, but also real creepy at times. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not Dark Souls in art style, but more so in its method of vague storytelling. Yeah. And and characters that just kind of follow along. You can follow along their stories if you do things in the right order and stuff. It's a really fun little game. It. It's not very long, it only took me a couple hours. But I've not played any of the rest of the series, I want to go back and do them. This one's apparently a prequel to the rest of them. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it, so I'd recommend that one. Okay, I'll give that one a try. Is it on Steam? Yeah. I got it on a, uh, I got it on a Humble Bundle recently. Oh, cool. Uh, what do you see it was called again? Look it up. Momodora Reverly. I fucked that up really bad. Momodora, Reverie Under the Moonlight. M- oh, there it is. Yeah. M-O-M-O-D-O-R-A. That's fine. I also got the soundtrack for free because of the uh, the fact that I got it off of um, uh, Humble Bundle. Oh, nice. I couldn't, I couldn't get the word out then. The Bumble Humbum. <laughs> it's, it's, an odd, it's an odd one to say. Yeah, hum- bumble, you got you got you got you got to just throw yourself into it and hope that it works out. Huh, this is a weird thing that I've just discovered. Apparently, the first two Momodoras aren't on Steam anymore. Oh, because hmm. I can only find Momodora three and Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight on there. That's weird. Yeah, so now we'll ask about. I wonder if you can get them somewhere else. Yeah. In any case, I think that's that's it for our big good podcast yeah. that we all love to do. Yeah, I think so. It's a good. 
Josh. Yeah. Josh, yeah. where do we find you? Where do where do we find me? Oh god. Oh, you can find me on the Twitter that you have if you've got it at no crows here because I cannot stress enough I am not affiliated with crows in any capacity. I've got a short little story here right now that oh. I've got to interrupt your bit with. All right. Okay. So I went to the ballet. Oh. Oh, yeah. very nice. I went and saw um, Swan Lake. Swan Lake. And I didn't, I didn't know shit about the story beforehand, other than vague gleanings. And mm-hmm. like, uh, I just kind of put it together as I went along. And what, how I saw it at the time was that the prince was bored in the court and he just wanted to go and fuck so he got a he got a gun and he tried to impress people by shooting a thing but then Crobius the crow lord appeared yeah and that right. does happen in ballet a lot yeah and then he was like flapping about and then there were swans there and then he wanted to fuck the swan and then the swan disappeared but then the swan was back but at a party and um Probius was there and then in the end uh, they were fighting by the lake again and he pulled Crobius's wing off and killed him with a, a stab wow that's intense <laughs> that is uh, this is quite an interesting interpretation of events yeah uh, and I, I it's, it's the thing is that because no one here is Crobius I, yeah. I, no one's gonna get like worried and scared by the implication that their wings gonna get pulled off and they're gonna get stabbed and die. Yeah, I mean it would be a concern if someone. Were It'd certainly Crobius. be a concern yeah. for whoever Crobius is. Yeah. If so, uh, someone affiliated with crows in that way would would definitely be have reason to be worried. I think, about, I, think. I think anyone affiliated with crows in any capacity should have reason to be worried. Uh, but obviously not anyone here. Yeah, because no. it's, it's not a concern. Because none of our none of us are under threat of having our very handsome wings pulled off. Yeah, uh, um, by some swan fucking bell end with a gun and ideas above his fucking stations. All of them. Uh, but it doesn't concern us, so it's not worth bringing up. Although I do thank you for uh, your anecdote. It was very it was very good. So all right. Uh, very good. Very good note to close out the show. Uh, Do you want to finish saying your shit now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can uh, follow me on Twitter at No Crows Here. Uh, you can go on YouTube uh, to find me. I am the Abominable Showman. I've been playing games such as Bound. You know, go, talking of ballet, uh, which continues to exist despite <laughs> everyone's better judgment. Uh, and I've also been playing an old game from my childhood, uh, MDK2 Armageddon, which has been it's been interesting. Oh, that uh, I remember that game. Yeah, I've gone back to it after quite a while. The swivels uh, threw me for one for a moment because uh, turns out uh, PS2 controllers are a bit uh, a bit uh, you know it's a bit bit difficult to go back to. <laughs> uh, take a little, take a little bit more pressure to push down fully than you think they would. Are you actually playing it on PS2 then? Oh yeah. How are you capturing it? I've got some things. Ah, okay. To function. It's actually an old piece of a uh, 
software that I got for the uh, PS3. Like it's cut, it's old, old, old thing. I've got an updated one since, but I couldn't figure out how to get it to work with the PS2, and I'm hoping to, because it'll record in uh, a file format that editing programs actually can use, uh, which will be fun and helpful for me, and not take up. 5.4 gigabytes of space for 20 fucking minutes of footage. Um, but yeah, you can go and look at those videos if you want, but let's be honest, you won't. And you can also obviously find me on Indie Haven on this, this very podcast and doing my worth mentioning videos, which I've got one done. Yeah, it's just. It's... But I'm yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what the status is with like getting stuff up on the site right now. So yeah, I've, I've it, it can happen. Off. We'll we'll get it happening. We'll we'll work it out by hook or by crook. We'll work it out. So yeah, there's content coming on all fronts, and it's a good time if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Someone else talk now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> sleep. Martin? Yeah, um, talk about where you can find me and stuff. Um, you can mostly find me on this podcast and on any given, to be honest. Um, I do have a Twitter that is fry fry, at Fry Fryburger, at F-R-I-E-F-R-I-E-B-U-R-G-E-R. And you can see my long list of uh, witty and incisive Twitter names. I think my current one is a Halloween one called Student Loans Know Where You Live. And um, I have also a Tumblr somewhere um, that I haven't updated in a while and I keep meaning to and I haven't got around to it. And I have some stuff in the works that isn't quite finished yet. I'm going to have up on Indie Haven as soon as that's back up again. So yeah, that's pretty much me. Not nearly as exciting as everyone else. <laughs> you also do. You also do the social media things don't you oh yeah true that's an invisible role though it's like i do social media for uh for, for this podcast and for one other um uh, for the of course podcast which i'm pretty happy to be involved with even in just a small way and uh yeah you can if you're ever interacting with someone on social media there there's a good chance it'll be me so i've been known to dabble in replying using the account but martin's the main one of it yeah, I mean, I was talking chatting to someone the other day about the RSS feed and then about how great the uh, the Patreon awards are. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at KemiWords, my words, and the big thing now is that you can go over to ofhorsepodcast dot com and uh, you can go and listen to our new BoJack Horseman podcast that I do with Conrad Zimmerman and Jake Spencer. And it's very heavily edited compared to this one, which... Yeah, it's, it's, it's very mm. professional. I'm very, very, very impressed with your work on that. Doing my best is a thing, though, also. Uh, so that's, that's a thing. Um, the other things are YouTube, which I recently put up a... The first episode of a Pokemon Emerald randomised Nuzlocke run. Uh, which ends in double tragedy, so enjoy that. Um, and that's youtube.com slash LODCunningham. And other than that, the music stuff is chemicalwordsmith.bandcamp.com. Uh, 
and Patreons, patreon.com slash chemiwords. And that's all of the links you can put in your website browser on your surfing the web internet, you know? Go do the thing and go take a look at the pretty thing and the nice pictures and the good sounds. Mm. We like it. I had an idea, Josh. Yes, yes. So, what if you and Jake from Of Horse did a podcast and called it Jake and Josh? Oh my god, I want I... that. I want that so bad. <laughs> you know, I was on board until you named it. Uh, it's a good name of it. It's it's what what you in naming that there what you just did, uh, you've you've been a real shame. <laughs> I I also uh, just think that you and Jake could have a good energy together, you know. Yeah, Honestly, I think most of it would just be spent fighting over who gets to be the wacky third person. But <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I I feel like when those. If those energies collided, it would just like it. It wouldn't end. It, <laughs> there would be no direction left because it would. It would. You would just. Everyone else just around us within a thirty-mile radius would just be swept up in the conflict. Does that make me? Does that make me the Martin of a horse? Um, I don't know. What, 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 what's my role in this? <laughs> you are here, predominantly. To agree with me about things. Oh, oh, that's that's easy. So like that, that then I have a majority, and I never have to have any of my decisions be questioned. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Sounds All like an right. easy job. That was surprisingly easy. So, is so that are, the is, show? So, well, go, 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 just for another second, going down that same path. Does that make Elodie the Conrad of this podcast? I guess so. I mean, I introduced yeah. the show, which is what Conrad does on that one. Yeah. 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 You have had a cat? Yeah. I've had multiple of them, and so is Conrad, is the thing. That is another similarity. Uh, you and you and Jake both have a four-letter name starting with J. Yep. And... So, Josh, do you want to give us some advice to round us out? Uh, don't look directly at it. Move <laughs> it. Get it away, you fool. And don't... Don't do... What I've done today. <laughs> uh, it sure is a don't good... Don't make the same mistake I did. Sure is a good thing that we're going into the Halloween season without any threats of any particular ghosts turning up and ruining things in any kind of spooky way, you know. I know that it'd be a shame if it happened, but it won't. That, yeah. Before we go, by the way, I did happen to find that Momodora One and Two are now available on itch.io for name your own price. Oh, okay. Get that out there. Well, there you go. It would appear that things are looking up. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Podhaven.